This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Shark Coatings. Visit sharkfloorcoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators for a 50% match on your first deposit. Only at MyBookie.ag. This episode of Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by Shark Coatings. Visit SharkFloorCoatings.com when you need professional floor coating services done right the first time. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Join me here on this Monday night edition. Co-host Will Miles. You can find him at a site, readandreaction.com. YouTube, readandreaction. And at Will Miles SEC on Twitter. Well, what a difference a week week makes. Um, a week ago, Florida beat South Carolina, and Florida looks to be trending up. Who South Carolina's got Tennessee and Clemson on the horizon. Lo and behold, a week later, Florida's licking their wounds <laughs> over a loss to Vanderbilt, and South Carolina upsets Tennessee and puts over sixty points on the Vols. Man, I, I tweeted it over the weekend. College football, it was it was weird. Saturday, all the near upsets, college football team playoff teams fighting for their life. But, you know, just kind of hitting home what we discussed a week ago. Florida dominates the South Carolina team only a week later. Now where, you know, South Carolina's feeling good about themselves against their ACC rival Clemson because they're coming off of a big top five win versus Tennessee. And here we are wondering, and we'll get into it a bit this episode, 
what in the world, what team is going to show up in orange and blue when they play in Tallahassee on Friday night? Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, it was it was brutal. The first half was brutal. I actually, my kid had a basketball practice, so I had to go to do that during the second half. And I was getting text messages while I was out there on the court, and I'm looking down at my phone, going, "Oh man, it got worse. How did it get worse?" So it's your fault. You weren't watching the game. I mean, you know, the, I was watching the first <laughs> half, and they sucked. So oh, sure good point. Good point. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think. <laughs> Florida found every single possible way. We've talked all all season long about how inconsistent they've been. They were consistently bad in this one, and it was in every single facet, every single you know the offense, the defense, the special teams, penalties, um, you know turnovers, just everything. They managed to find a way. It was like, hey, look, there's my foot, bam, like just repeatedly, <laughs> over and over and over and over and over again. Every drive, like every time Vanderbilt scored, it felt like Florida helped them. Every time Florida tried to score, it felt like they they screwed something up and the ball got pulled back because of a penalty or or something stupid. There there were just mental mistakes all over the place. And you know, I know Napier's going to talk. I, you know, I know Napier talked about inconsistency today, but really, it's just inexcusable. Eleven games into the season to have those sorts of things to not be able to line up properly on offense. Look, if we were going to just excoriate Grantham for the defense not being aligned last year appropriately um, repeatedly, then we have to be able to say the same thing about Billy Napier, who is the offensive coordinator and the team not lining up properly on big runs where Montreal Johnson gets him down to the four-yard line and it gets pulled back just because the wide receiver didn't know he needed to be at the line of scrimmage. That It was just over and over and over and over again, mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. And he's talked all year about there being 11 guys out there and 10 of them doing it right. Well, you know what? Your job as the head coach is to get 11 of them doing it right. And if 11 games in, only 10 of them are doing it right, at some point that comes on you. And, you know, Napier's going to hear it because you can't lose to Kentucky and Vanderbilt as well as all of your rivals when you're the Florida head coach. And look, he may he may build this into a powerhouse yet. But man, it just doesn't feel like it right now when you when, you know, just every time Florida takes a step forward, feels like they take two steps back. And, you know, look, it's are we really at that different of a place than we are than we were last year? I think we are from the standpoint of there's still hope that things can be built. The hope with Dan Mullen was pretty much gone, especially on the recruiting trail. Still a lot of hope here with Napier, but you know, he didn't do himself a lot of favors and didn't do this team a lot of favors in terms of just not having him ready to play. Yeah. Well, it was like, it was, it was like doing a U-turn, uh, you, you know, into, in, in, in this one, the U-turn into oncoming traffic, <laughs> you know, not just, uh, not just one of those innocent U-turns. Okay. I, I got this, uh, you know, no, no harm, no foul. No, you, you do a U-turn there's incoming traffic, uh, because everybody, you felt so good, uh, going into this game and Florida was riding a wave. Um, you overcome a, a very first tough half of the season. We looked at this last month and, it probably was maybe even going better than what we thought it would. When after the Georgia game, we took a look at this November schedule. It was like, okay, now you have a great chance to go four and zero, and you know three and one. In some ways, was going to be disappointing because you had some opportunities. But you know, one of the losses being Vanderbilt that was not in the forecast, that was not planned, and then especially with the way you were rolling, you rolled Texas A and M, you rolled South Carolina, you had some things you thought figured out. The defense was turning a corner. The offense, you know, they were still running the ball. They were doing what they were supposed to do, but defense reverts back. You had those inexcusable penalties, and not just the offense. Well, it was Florida's offense not doing 
anything close to what we have seen the last couple of weeks, what they've been known for for much of this season, and being able to run the ball. And look, we'll get into it uh, the, this episode here of Gators Breakdown. We hear Billy Napier's thoughts, Anthony Richardson's thoughts uh, on his lack of running, but not only his lack of running, Will, it was just the offensive line got manhandled, got beat. It didn't matter if Vanderbilt was putting numbers in the box or not. <laughs> they were getting beat up front. Uh, just not a lot of holes for these running backs. It was just... The things you thought you could just lean on, and I think Billy Napier thought he could lean on, was nowhere to be seen in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was bad right from the start where they had the snap that goes flying over Richardson's shoulder. They lose 18 yards. Somehow they're able to recover from that, get the first down on the throw to Pearsall, and then they're down in the red zone, and Richardson, they had the perfect play called for the blitz. Yeah. The perfect play call. Richardson gets the ball out as he's getting hit, throws it perfectly. That's usually a ball he spikes in the ground. Instead, he floats it out there perfectly for Montreal Johnson, and the ball just bounces right off his hands, and you settle for a field goal instead of what definitely would have been a first down, but most likely is a touchdown for Montreal Johnson. And and it was from there on, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was just every single drive, there was a mistake. And, and look, I know that Billy Napier isn't responsible for every single mistake, but he's responsible for making sure that the team shows up. And, you know, Florida outgained Vanderbilt 308 to 141 in the second half, and they lost 18 to 17 in the second half. I mean, and it's not like, oh, well, they had 308 yards, but they had 50 plays, and so it was close. No, they averaged 8.1 yards per play in the second half, four to 4.4 for Vanderbilt, and they lost the second half. 18 to 17. And hey, by the way, they actually had the same number of turnovers in the second half, too. So it's not like Florida turned the ball over a bunch and gave them an advantage. I mean, obviously, they gave them the three points on the turnover on downs there at their own 12. But still, I mean, it's just one of those things where Vanderbilt got absolutely everything out of every opportunity Florida gave them. And Florida got nothing out of the opportunities that it had presented to it. And you know, look, you're good enough to maybe give up a touchdown or maybe even two touchdowns against Vanderbilt. But I went through in, in, in my recap article and pointed out every, I had a whole list of all the mistakes that they made, and there were opportunities there for Florida to make up 41 points. That's how many mistakes they made, 41 points. And I'm sorry, they're not good enough. I mean, a touchdown will, will, or two, you'd be like, okay, whatever. They're not good enough to deal with that. Yeah, And, and I want to go, because you'll remember it better than I will, because you, you're the one that retweeted it, but – what was, it was the post-game expectancy win rate, and it was 8%? Something, <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah. I, I'm not sure I retweeted that one, but I mean, it depends on where you go in terms of the, yeah. the actual plays. But from a, from a predicted points added, which is an EPA-based metric, Florida like tripled what Vanderbilt had. Um, you look at Now, one of the problems, I think, is Florida had Anthony Richardson with a usage rate of 71%, which is just ridiculous, considering that, you know, ETN had what, like six or seven touches yeah. in the game. Uh, but I mean, it was just, it had nothing to do with Florida's ability to win. Now you you can make some comments about the running game, them only running for 45 yards and or 44 yards and, and that Vanderbilt absolutely dominated them up front, but Vanderbilt, you know, Seth Varnador in the, uh, in the Gators breakdown uh, discord has put up some stuff, had some good stuff on YouTube today um, mm -hmm. you know, where he was looking at what they were doing and those little screen passes out to the outside. He was pointing out are an expansion of the run game and the, the receivers were doing a crappy job of blocking out there. And so you never forced them out of it. Right. Yeah. And it's not and like those are necessarily called pass plays. They are more RPO. Richardson sees numbers out there. Hey, wide receiver, you block. Wide receiver, hey, you make somebody miss. Granted, I know we've seen it over and over again. They haven't been able to do it. But, 
you can't fault Richardson for saying, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do in this situation. The numbers are there. Hey, wide receiver, go make a play. I'm not faulting Richardson for anything in this one. Dude threw for 400 yards, averaged nine and a half yards per toss. <laughs> he threw for three touchdowns. His QB rating was the highest QB rating he's had all year except for the Eastern Washington game. I will get picky Dude. there. This third, third down was not great. I mean, so... No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Know. I'm not putting a loss on him. Uh, that is not at all what I'm doing. Should he have to play a perfect game? No, he shouldn't. That's probably what it would have taken to win this game. But, I mean, some of the, still some of the simple throws, simple decisions. Yeah, you know. I, sure, but nobody else showed up. I agree. I, I, mean, I know. Nobody I know. else showed up. I know. I mean, you know, I'm sitting here. That, that's, that's like if we showed up for the podcast tonight, Dave, you just stared at me the whole time. And everybody's like, wow, Will did a terrible <laughs> job tonight. Like, what? I, he didn't say a damn word. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you just sit there and, like, cross your arms and go, I'm throwing him under the bus. Like, you don't say one word. It's like, people are going to be like, that's a really weird podcast. Like, that didn't work at all. Like, what was going on there? And I'm like, is that my fault? You're the you're, you're the host. All right, here we go, host. Will. Will, Billy Napier, go. Anthony Richardson, go. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's like Oh, you're not I, done I yet? Just, you're, are you not done yet? No, keep interrupting me. That'd be great too. You know, like like you, you can't actually you can't actually uh kick me in the shins or anything while I'm talking. But but what you could do, I guess, is just like disconnect me when I'm saying something in the middle of my thought or mute me or whatever. I, I, you get my point, right? Yeah, yeah. No one else showed up to help the guy. And and when they had an opportunity, a couple of big runs for Montreal Johnson, both of them called back for penalties. Both of them called back for stupid penalties. A couple of third down stops, especially after the first drive in the second half where Florida pulls to within 14 to 12. You know, third and 14, they get a holding penalty on, on Bernie on the tight end when the tight end was running three yards past the line of scrimmage. Not the sticks, yeah. the line of scrimmage. So, you know, you had the opening touchdown for Vandy. They had the unnecessary roughness on Human Meelan where, yeah, the offensive lineman was getting a little bit a little bit uh, handsy there at the end, but he just shoves him in the back. And then you get a face mask on the same play on a sack on a third down. You know, I, I never I just, saw the face mask, by the way. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to assume it happened because Florida did everything else. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, normally, I would blame the SEC officials, and I know there are other people who reach out to us all the time when the officials screw stuff up, and maybe they screwed that one up. But I got to be honest, watching that game, they were probably like, I'm sure they did it. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure whether I saw it. But if I have a question, I'm going to call it because this was terrible. All right, yeah, plenty to get into there uh, with, with this game and kind of looking for you know, what Florida – needs to do a little bit while we look forward to Friday night's game versus Florida State. Uh, of course, we'll, uh, we'll we'll have a preview up this week more in detail. I'll have one up as well uh, on Gators Breakdown. But we can look forward to that game uh, just a bit. And also kind of relating it to what we saw this past week uh, versus Vanderbilt. And to extend that, what Billy Napier had to say today, what Anthony Richardson had to say today, uh, we'll get their thoughts on uh, kind of just this team uh, moving forward there but before we get there everybody hit that like button if you're watching on youtube right now will and i having a good time here uh on this episode of gators breakdown given the circumstances of this inexcusable <laughs> law uh, you gotta hey. laugh about it otherwise you're gonna cry man <laughs> yeah. uh yeah we're, we're doing as good as we can so you see the smiles you see the laughs hit the like uh right here on youtube uh there uh subscribe if you haven't done so yet keep the comments coming in uh right there everybody and also Keep that conversation going on Gators Breakdown Plus. The link is in the description if you haven't done so yet. A lot of good stuff going on there. You heard Will mention, uh, I put a tweet out there too, 
uh, Seth Varnador out there. He's got some YouTube videos out there. It goes in depth about uh, what Florida did right this game, wrong this game. I know there wasn't a whole lot of right, but <laughs> there's some of it out there. Uh, and, and taking a deeper look at some of the decisions uh, from Anthony Richardson, quarterback, and you know maybe, maybe even some of the play calling uh, there. So really good stuff. You can find uh, a lot of that discussion on the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. Link is in the description. So, um, well, okay, yeah, Let's extend the Vandy thought a little bit. Um, two things for me on defense. We'll switch. We'll switch sides a little bit. Um, the untimely penalties. Uh, mentioned that too. Uh, but it was also to me not. Yeah, you had those untimely penalties, and they were on third downs. But you also just allowed Vanderbilt to capitalize uh, on the key moments uh, in, in, in that game. You know, Vanderbilt. When they got a, they got a turnover, or when they, you know, when, when they had an opportunity, when they were able to get more third downs after the penalties and stuff, they took advantage. And I, I think that's another thing that's that that, that kind of stood out to me uh, for for the defense. I had to kind of mention it in the in in the game review uh, as well. But uh, you know, Florida had multiple third downs even after. They had the third down penalties. You had plenty of opportunities to stop Vanderbilt, but you did not. Or whether it be the the, the fast change, you get the turnover, and they score on the very first play. Uh, it was just you know disappointing uh, in in another way uh, that Vanderbilt was just able to capitalize on the key moments of the game. Yeah, I mean, you'd like the defense to be able to stop them and and force them to get field goals, like after the Richardson interception. Yeah, you know, the tackling on the touchdown throw to Bresnahan was just 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 inexcusable. And you know, if you stop him at the five or the six yard line, maybe you have an opportunity to bow up, stop him, force a field goal. Vandy's probably going to be conservative at that point because they're ahead. But if you really think about it, I mean, the turnover turns into a touchdown one play later. They only have to go twenty three yards. Mm-hmm. The muffed punt is seven points, and then they turned the ball over at the three-yard line. Defense gave up 17 points, right? I mean, or 18 points, right? I mean, you take away 13 from the 31. That's what the defense really gave up. And, yeah, we can sit there and say, oh, there were penalties on these drives and those sorts of things. And, yes, absolutely, that had an impact. But the defense actually played pretty well overall. I mean, again, it's Vanderbilt, so I'm not getting, like, all excited. But Vanderbilt averaged 5.4 yards per play all season long. They averaged 4.6 against Florida. Florida only gave up two explosives the entire game. They gave up a 26-yard run to Davis on the touchdown drive. Um the, the second touchdown, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and then they gave up a 28-yard pass to Bresnahan for the touchdown after the interception. You would like to see them bow up in those cases and stop them, but, I mean, geez, like, uh, if if you'd have told me that Florida only gave up 18 points to Vanderbilt on defense, I would have said, wow, we win that one by 30. Yeah. And and so – And the, know, the quarterback didn't get crazy runs. Uh, that was a big worry coming into the game. Uh, their, their leading receiver, uh, what was his name, uh, coming into the game um, – his name escapes me, but he didn't have a big day. I mean, like you said, I, I said it on the review. I was like, if you would have given me a lot of those stats before the game, I would have, I would have signed up for it. Yeah, I mean, Florida averaged seven yards a play. Vanderbilt averaged four point six. Um, just about every situation, like you know, Dan Mullen was had those yardage quotes yeah. last year where everybody took moral victories. And I mean, again, Florida wins the yardage with victory in this game as well. But this is one, even in those games, it was like something where Florida had more plays than the opposition. So on a yards per play basis, it was close. And those, this is so, this is such a game where you just look at it and go, how in the heck did Florida lose this one? And, you know, the reality is, is that 
you can pin some of the things on the defense. You would have liked to have seen them play better. You would have liked to have seen them get more pressure. You would have liked to have seen them perform better on third down. I think that's the one place where yeah. I look at it and say, you know, they had held AM to four of 13. They held South Carolina to three of 11. And Vanderbilt was seven of 14. And, you know, so their inability to get off the field, the fact that the Vanderbilt drives took seven minutes there in the second half, which meant that they didn't have as many drives to be able to go down the field. But that, you know, I mean, look, that, that took I think, Florida out of the run game. I mean, Florida couldn't, even if they probably abandoned it too early at, at some points, but granted, I think staff knew they, they they were limited positions or possessions because couldn't get them couldn't get Vanderbilt off the field. Well, because they handed them a bunch of points, yeah. right? I mean, and and the offense essentially the offense and special teams essentially handed Vanderbilt fourteen you know fourteen points, and you know you you start fourteen points behind even against a bad SEC team, it's still an SEC team, and this Vanderbilt team is a lot better than it has been in past years. It's not good. But it's a lot better than it has been the last couple of years. And look, these guys have some pride too. And you can't just roll the ball out and expect to win. I think that's the lesson that Florida wins from this or that Florida should learn from this one. And you know, I, I think the criticism of Napier is valid from the standpoint of it looked like they were protecting Anthony Richardson. And I think a lot of that had to do with they have a short week coming up. And they thought that if they could get through the Vanderbilt game, then you're going to have a fully fresh Anthony Richardson on Friday against Florida State, and you'll be able to take advantage of it. And then you got a month until the bowl game. And, you know, we'll see whether he even plays in the bowl game or not. And so, you know, if that's his last hurrah at Florida or if, or if that, you know, it's his last hurrah until the bowl game, you at least have some time to recover after that one. I think they went into this one thinking they didn't need Richardson to run the ball in order to win the game. And I think so too. because, because yeah. the first two plays coming out in the second half were Richardson runs, right? <laughs> first one, it's a designed run, the one where they run where he's just a lead and there is no option. The second one was a read option. He kept the ball and got tackled after a couple of yard gain. But the fact that they came out and started running him immediately in the second half said they went in they went in there at halftime went oh crap <laughs> like we're behind we're gonna actually have to figure this one out and the the defense is not good enough to say oh my god like halfway through and change your change your game plan because all of a sudden you fell behind because of turnovers your special team gaffes or because you just just didn't show up to play i mean florida has to show up to play Every week, they are not good enough to take a quarter off, a half off, and certainly not a full game off. And that's what they found out in this one. And and you can blame the defense for certain things, and I think that's valid. But I think you look at it and say, the defense probably did enough to win. I think you look at the offense. You go, geez, the offense probably <laughs> yeah. did enough to win. But the problem is all three units had enough flaws in them that you know there just wasn't a shot. Absolutely, Will. So like, look, a lot of that goes to consistency for this Gator team. We've seen the roller coaster uh, this season. Here's what Billy Napier had today had to say on that. Ferocious comebacks in three games that could have resulted in winning the game. How frustrating is the inconsistency that you can't get that kind of effort and that kind of production earlier? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and I think about that um, at times. You know, I think that, um, you know, you're, you're until you get in the middle of the fight, you know, uh, I think that's one of the things kind of like we're talking about uh, Mark's question relative to performing with consistency, handling success, handling failure, being a consistent competitor. Um, and I think ultimately uh, when you see that, you kind of flip that switch in times when you, you get behind or maybe you're behind the eight ball or it's a closer game than expected. Those are the things that I'm talking about from a maturity standpoint. As a team, 
uh, I think that's a little bit of where we're at. So, uh, but I think it's a great question and one that I think about often. Maturity there is understanding that you're good enough to play with these guys. Part of the equation here in getting these guys to understand that okay, you're as good as it, as the teams you're playing. Yeah, no, I, I think we've got a lot of young players that have developed confidence as the seasons went along. But I also think, you know, we're a team that can um, be very average, and we're a team that can be elite. You know. And I think that um, it comes down to doing it when it when it counts, right? Put the ball down, go execute, go do your job, you know. And I think consistency um, is the that's what we're searching for. Um, certainly, Saturday was a little bit of a reality check in a lot of ways. Well, it wasn't lying there. Well, it was a reality check. I think what kind of goes to what you were pointing to before this. I just, I, I, I don't think the team was ready uh, at, at all to to go play this game. And as Napier said, um, you know, once the ball was put down, they need to be ready to play. I don't think they were ready to play. Uh, Vanderbilt punched them in the mouth, and I don't, I don't think Florida was able to respond. And I think a lot of that was to do to, to to the preparation there. I, I think they thought this game would be a bit easier. Uh, than than it was, and I don't know why. I mean, you A and M and South Carolina didn't tell us that much. It didn't tell us that much that you were able to overlook uh, a team. You know, we still go back to the South Florida game beginning of the season. Still go to the Missouri game earlier in the season. I, I think we knew this team couldn't take a, a step back, and maybe inside the locker room, maybe inside the halls, that there was a little bit uh, of confidence there. Uh, should Florida be able to do it? Absolutely. You know, should Florida be able to to be in a position where Vanderbilt is pretty much a give me game? Yeah, but this team isn't at that point yet. And if you are going to take somebody lightly, what we saw Saturday can happen. And hey, look, with, with the consistency, yeah, we have seen this team step up. We have seen this team um, uh, you know, go beat a Utah, uh, a good Utah team. We have seen them uh, give Tennessee a scare late. We have them seen, you know. Still hard to kind of determine how good the South Carolina win is after what they did Saturday uh, as well. But we've seen these team, this team do some good things. Mentioned the bad things. Yeah, this team is nowhere near where you can just take anything. And I mean anything for granted. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I said it earlier and I mean it that I think the staff took this game for granted. And I think it starts there. Right, that if if you come out with a game plan that's blah, and we've seen all year that when Anthony Richardson runs, the offense looks different, and they come out and they put up six points in the first half, and everybody's going to look at Richardson and point at Richardson, and I'm sitting there going, well, look, like they have all the ability in the world to call that quarterback lead to the outside when it's third and three instead of having him drop back and trying to throw, you know, trying to make throws, and at the end of the first half, they're sitting there down fourteen six driving or trying to drive, they get the 15-yard run and then get the 15-yard penalty, pulling them back. I think it was like third and two, third and three. Richardson drops back to pass, is throwing to, to somebody on a crosser across the middle, and it gets knocked down by uh, by the corner. It was a nice play by the corner. But again, you're sort of leaving yourself at the vagaries of one or two plays because you're not willing to take the guy who is your most explosive player and put him out there and run him in those situations. And, you know, I, I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody who posted on Twitter about basically the middle eight. I think it might have been Harrison Tenzer yeah, who, Harrison, yep. uh, who mm-hmm. posted on the middle eight. And basically, Florida just gets destroyed. Yeah. The four minutes heading into the half and the four minutes coming out of the half. And it's not and, just play. Uh, timeout usage, clock usage. I don't know if there's a lot of confidence in Anthony Richardson in the, in the two-minute drill. Uh, all that stuff. 
Yeah, all of it. I mean, look, I, I mean, <laughs> I get it. I understand that, that you know, and we've said this repeatedly, that earlier in the season it was like Billy Napier is putting his, hole, his finger in one hole in the dam, and then, oh, crap, there's water over there. I need to go put my finger in that hole too. And all of a sudden you run out of hands. But that that also is one of the reasons why you have that army. That's one of the reasons why. And, and this the criticism I actually had in my article in Napier had less to do with the play calling and the timeout usage and those sorts of things. It had much more to do with all the guys who were making these stupid mistakes were out there the next play and they weren't yanking them off the field. You know, like you, you watch even the NFL, like the left tackle gets a holding penalty. He comes over and sits down for a player too. Well, you know, and then they bring the new guy in in college. That's certainly the case. And, and Saban doesn't put up with that crap. You get a holding call. You're going to come off the field. With a, with, with, with a red face, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, and there wasn't any of that, right? Like, the, like I, an illegal formation on a running play for a wide receiver is inexcusable. It's just inexcusable, and it wipes off a twenty-seven-yard run. And I think you like, could well, even, and I think you could even see because for whatever reason, I just happened to be looking at it. I think you could even oh, see I, five, ten seconds before the snap, he he doesn't he doesn't know where to be. Well, and the receiver behind him was waving him forward. Yeah. Like, so the guy behind him knows it's, a, it's an illegal formation. And this, maybe if you're going to criticize Richardson, he should have looked out there and be like, hey, like, and move the guy up. But again, like at, at some point, the wide receiver has to know seven people have to be on the line of scrimmage. And in this particular formation, I'm one of those seven, right? Like first day install stuff that we're screwing up in the 11th game of the season. And, and, how does that guy not come off the field when that happens, right? Same thing with, well, the, with at the, receiver. I'm not sure they had anybody left. Well, run, a, run 12 personnel. <laughs> I, 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 I just had to make the joke there. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I mean, I, like I can deal – the muffed punt, all right. Like I wish he hadn't fielded it, but it's not like Jason Marshall's done a whole lot of fielding punts this year anyway. So I look at that and go, okay, there's a guy who's kind of inexperienced. He made a mistake. That's a physical – it's a mental mistake to go field it backwards, but it's a physical mistake to drop it. You can understand how that happens. But just pushing a guy in the back after the play, after a third down stop to give him a first down, no, nah, you need to come off the field. And the fact that nobody came off the field, this is starting to concern me a little bit. Like we talked about when Marco Wilson chucked the shoe, that there was this sort of, hey, we're not going to hold people accountable for the sorts of things that they do and you can't be mad at that situation and then sit here and go well napier's got it all under control because these guys stay on the field like at some point where's the accountability because look if it had been the first half and florida came out and made all these mistakes and is down 14 to 6 and comes out in the second half and they just got beat by vanderbilt I, i'd be a little bit more sanguine about it but they just came back out and kept shooting themselves in the foot again the entire second half and at what point <laughs> do you just say enough? Like I, I'll put I'll put some slow walk on out there to do something if he'll do it right, or you just you know you haven't had time to teach people what's right, and that's a different problem. But you know that means that you've got other issues, which is that things are too complex or or whatever it is. Again, I go back to Florida had an opportunity. Well, we'll oh, my bad. Good. Now I was just gonna say Florida had an opportunity at different different stages in the game to pick up forty one points. They lost by seven. That's it. Like you did not do anything you needed to do to win the game. And that's on the coaching staff. Yeah, it's on the players too, but it's on the coaching staff. It just is. Yeah, you know, talk about other guys putting other guys on the field, maybe needing to step up. And it was a theme. And you know, we talked about it last week on Gators Breakdown. I asked Billy Napier about it last week on the SEC teleconference. It was well, up to this point, you were able to throw younger guys in and to go out there and perform and do good things. Yeah, well, you know, it's it, it was kind of forced hand at the receiver position 
Uh, well, and, Reynolds played really well, right? Yeah. I mean, Dejan Reynolds played really well. He he had the one drop, maybe a second drop too. But you know, again, physical mistake, not a mental mistake. Same thing. Like you know, Montreal Johnson's going to get killed for dropping that open touchdown pass. Sometimes that happens, right? That's a mental, or it's not a mental mistake. That's a physical mistake. You can deal with physical mistakes. It's it's the stuff that just like. It's it's the stuff that you sit there and go that can't happen because it's a mental error. Has nothing to do with trying to play hard. Has nothing to do with trying to trying to do the right thing and you happen to screw something up. Like I can deal with a missed tackle. It's the it's the guy who like completely blows the coverage that drives me crazy because especially when it's an easy thing for the for the guy to know. And so, look, I mean, it's it's definitely two steps forward, maybe even three steps back on this one, right? I mean, you think about you think about the 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 where we were at four and four, where we were last week at six and four, going, woo, we're gonna be seven and four, going to the Florida State game. What what momentum? And then it's like done. Yeah, it has really <laughs> killed how we feel about this game to go into this week. I, I expected this episode Monday night to be like, all right, let's go. Florida, Florida State, it's gonna be a big game. It still is. But man, does the Florida side feel so different about it now? Yeah, I guess on the bright side, it does mean that if Florida wins this game, then Florida State feels worse about themselves. So, <laughs> yeah. so maybe in that way, it, it, it does sort of set them up for disappointment, which is uh, which is always fun. And again, I mean, it's it's Ron Zook Field, so we should feel home away from home when we go over there. And uh, plus, Richardson's played really well on the road this year, so uh, you know we can start. Uh, and you know what? The, the last time Florida's played there was when Chauncey Gardner Johnson is throwing up a dead Seminole head in the crowd. I mean, it's crazy because of COVID, but that is the last time Florida's been in Tallahassee. Yeah. Well, and, and we'll, we'll get into one. that. we got plenty of FSU talk. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I guess. So here's the thing is is I was quoted from last week's Gators breakdown as saying that if you lose to Vanderbilt, you can't build the program. <laughs> um, that's taken a little bit out of context. I think the – uh, Shout out to the, True. Shout out to yeah, True. Hey, I, I love True. That's fine. He and I have been talking behind the scenes. But um, what, what I – it's the hazard of doing this live, but the uh, <laughs> what I said what I said in my article is what I think is true. You can't lose to Vanderbilt and escape culpability, and so Billy Napier is going to have to look in the mirror. and And the fans are right to sit there and go, "Man, like, you know, show me what show me something that points that we're heading in the right direction," because we felt like we were starting to see it over the last two weeks. But but up until that, when it was four and four, we're sitting there going, the defense can't stop anybody. We're so far away from Georgia. LSU completely torched us. But then you're like, well, we played this hard schedule. So playing this hard schedule, okay, maybe it was just the schedule. And then you're like, okay, the worst team in the SEC comes in and, and or you go to their place and get absolutely whipped. And, and um, you know, I, I think that just puts a, a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And so there is culpability there. And there are ways to overcome that. Certainly, you know, people have been quick to remind me on Twitter that Kirby Smart also lost to Vanderbilt his uh, his first year there. But what I'll say is that, um, you know, and Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe and those sorts of things. But, hey, it turns out the guy before Saban, Mike Shuley, he lost to Northern Illinois in his first year, too. And he didn't last all that long. So just losing to an inferior team your first year does not guarantee you're going to be Nick Saban or, or, or Kirby Smart. Um, and, and so, look. Napier has a lot to prove. At the same time, I think uh, you know if you were to ask me where whose shoes would I rather be in today, Florida State's or Florida's, I would still say Florida's for a lot of different reasons. Um, one of which is if you go look at that 2023 recruiting class um, and and where those things sit, and then if you also look at where Norvell is in his development in the program, being in his fourth year versus where Napier is in his first, I think you know 
We knew we were going to take a little bit of a step back this year. I think losing to Vanderbilt is probably a little bit beyond the pale. But I think, again, if, if you ask me which one would I rather be, and not just because, you know, it's a better school, but which one would I rather be, I'd, I'd rather be Florida, even in, even, even in the current circumstances, even with the loss to Vanderbilt. All right, all right. Plenty more to get into off the heels of this loss to Vanderbilt, and probably one of, if not the hottest topic is Anthony Richardson and the lack of running the ball versus the Commodores and other times this season. But before we get there, hey, holiday season's coming up. If you need that garage floor refreshed, take a look from our friends at Shark Coatings. You know the goosebumps you get when Florida takes the field? Or when that 63-yard Hail Mary actually works? Or the thrill of a game-winning interception in the end zone? What a rush. You can experience that same rush every day at your home with Shark Coatings. We'll cover your old, ugly concrete with a beautiful industrial concrete coating and a warranty that lasts longer than most careers in professional football. So whether your garage floor is for parking, partying, or working out, Shark Coatings can transform it. And if your pool deck is starting to look like a bulldog, old, cracked, smells like pee, Shark Coatings can transform that too. Shark Coatings is easy to clean, stain resistant, and is 100% antibacterial and antimicrobial. We're easy on the eyes and on the maintenance. Gator Nation is worldwide, and Shark Coatings is based right in the heart of it. So whether you live in Brunswick, Georgia, or Live Oak, Florida, down to Ocala, over to New Smyrna Beach, or anywhere in between, Contact us for a free estimate today. Learn more at sharkfloorcoatings.com. That's sharkfloorcoatings.com. All right, here we are back on Gators Breakdown. Everybody hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't done so yet. As I said, let's get now uh, to the topic of Anthony Richardson, the lack of running uh, from him versus Vanderbilt various times this season as well. And a lot of people will are looking for reasons why. Well, here's what Billy Napier and Anthony Richardson had to say today. I think there's not many plays where he's not involved in it. You know, I think uh, much like a pass pattern that you call, you know, sometimes the coverage dictates where the ball goes. Um, you know, Anthony was forced to hand the ball off quite a bit in the game. You know, so, um, you know, we the design run, you know, we came back with a few of those in the second half, but to some degree, and that's happened before, you know, I mean, when Montreal and Trevor get handed the ball and they have success, typically he's eliminating one player, right, by reading that defender. So I think the key there is that we continue to take what the defense gives us, right? So uh, nothing significant on that end. How would you evaluate your performance from Saturday as a runner? Like, did you, do you feel like you took advantage of opportunities the way you should have on the ground? Uh, I know there were times I could have, you know, pulled the ball and probably, you know, ran backwards into the end zone. Uh, I didn't realize until after I handed the ball off, you know, especially when it comes to RPOs and, and reads, stuff like that. Sometimes you can, you know, misjudge the way a defense is playing you or, you know, the way that you're supposed to attack the defense. So uh, I think there were times I could have I could have did it, but, you know, uh, it's in the past now. I can't do anything about it now. What did you learn, maybe? Um... You know, when, whenever there is an opportunity for me to take the ball and run, you know, I just got to do it because uh, I could potentially help the offense. So that's what I took away from it. Well, as you said earlier in the game or earlier in the episode, and, and, and no surprise, uh, we all know it. Um, this team is better when Anthony Richardson runs the ball, uh, even with as good as Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson are. This offense is at another level 
uh, when Anthony Richardson also gets his legs involved. And there were chances early. Um, I think the, one of the big questions is, you know, wh- why does it take so long uh, to get those, the, the, even the design runs? This is more about Anthony Keeper or, or not keeping RPO, uh, zone read. But you kind of go into one of Napier's parts. You know, look, he said Vandy forced some of it. AR said he could have made better decisions. Also, one a better decision for me would be why does it take till halftime to implement some design runs to to get in there? Shouldn't that be in the game plan already? And I know you and I probably agree a, a, a bit that they didn't think they need to this game. All right, but it was pretty apparent early on. Florida was just struggling running the ball in, in many ways they have so far this season. So implement a lot of the design runs earlier in the game. That should be part of the game plan. But as we said, Napier saying Vandy forced some of it. AR saying he could have made better decisions. But both are true. There were reads. There were RPO situations where Richardson could have kept the ball. Some are obvious. Some are more more obvious than others. Some 50-50. Some he made the right decision to, to, to hand off to the backs. Uh, I think there's a lot of assumptions out there, Will, that I am not ready to hop on board with. Uh, the, oh, he, he's saving himself. He, he's saving himself for the NFL. I, I, I can't assume that. It, it, it is an assumption. Uh, I, I, I can't go that way. Uh, that's all that is uh, on my end, too, uh, whether I agree with it or not. Still, still an assumption. I'm not saying you're right. not saying you're wrong, but I, I, there's no way of knowing that. Uh, but you have a hard time selling me he doesn't want to run because he's saving himself from injury because of the upcoming NFL draft. He ran a good bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't see a, a big difference in running ATM uh, or Texas A&M and, and South Carolina and, and not doing it versus Vanderbilt. Um, hard time telling me that he just shut it off uh, in, in a week's time. Now, earlier in the season when he was banged up, I do think there were precautions in place from the staff. Uh, he had it in his head not to run more. You can call me naive now if you want. That's fine. I, I, I don't see that being the case. Uh, of saving himself because of uh, of the NFL draft. Now, we've, we've seen the trouble, Will, many times this season of maybe making the right read uh, in, in his own read game. And uh, I go back to what I said in the review episode and something Napier alluded to uh, is for, for, for most of this season, good things have happened when he's handing the ball off to Johnson and ETN. And I think that was the game plan, as we said. And it really lended itself to more – uh, to, to more handoffs and more of those 50-50 decisions uh, on the zone read to, to go the running back way. Now, uh, where I will kind of go another way with this, Will, look, there may be a defender there to make a play on Anthony Richardson, whether that, whether that be a defensive end, whether that be a linebacker coming around. <sighs> He's athletic enough to make a move or to outrun uh, a defender to a spot, even if that defender's honed in on him. He can simply win some of those battles. Uh, I think that's also the threat of him, keeping it means he's helping the offense in a lot of ways. He's helping the, the offensive line. He's helping the running backs open up lanes for, the, for, for, for those. I can see a bit where Anthony Richardson is maybe too conservative and, and maybe, quote unquote, buy the book too much on some of those reads. It, it's hard to fault him for that. With the numbers say it and if the guy is in place, but his athleticism to me changes the book. And I, I'd like to see him more aggressive in that situation. Uh, he can be more aggressive, in my opinion, when, hey, look, it, it's one defender, and he might, he might have a beat on you. He might have an angle on you. He might be in position. But I think you're athletic enough to kind of throw that book out of the window and just go make a play. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I get the criticism of Richardson. Certainly the offense looks different when he's running the ball, but Vanderbilt has the worst defense in the SEC. Florida in the second half ran nine times for 28 yards. Mm -hmm. In the first half, they ran 12 times for 17 yards. You should be able to blow them off the line of scrimmage, yeah. and you should be able to tell them you're going what play you're going to run <laughs> and blow them off the line of scrimmage and win. And the fact that the offensive line didn't win one battle except for the one where they lined up incorrectly at wide receiver. Like, the offensive line just didn't win anything. And we'll go to that point. Some of these plays might not, may not even be reads. There may be window dressing to look that way, but they're just not. And at that point, I want to go there. Your offensive line has to win those battles. They got completely owned. Repeat it, and everybody knows it. You got owned by Vanderbilt up front. And this Florida offensive line has played great all season. There's no explanation for it. You just got plain out beat up front. And I know there was times Vanderbilt had a numbers advantage. I don't care. There were times they didn't have a numbers advantage and they beat the crap out of Florida. So I actually think that's a little bit of a... So everybody said that after the game. And Clark Lee even said it in the post game that, you know, they did some things to stop. But the, what they were doing to stop the run was they actually had sort of a star or a safety kind of shaded out towards mm -hmm. where they were going to screen and to sort of hold that edge, right, and make sure nobody got to the outside. They had six guys in the box, two deep safeties, six guys in the box. Like, it's funny. I was gifted a Urban Meyer playbook, you know, years ago. And, like, the first page talks about their offensive philosophy, and the offensive philosophy is too high, we run the ball. Like, that is the philosophy. Too high, we run the ball. Why do we do that? Because we want to get them to bring the safety up. The minute they bring the safety up, we're going to throw the ball. And, you know, and then all the window dressing with the throws to the outside and that sort of stuff is essentially an extension of the running game. But that entire first half, if you look at what Vanderbilt had out there, it was almost exclusively too high safety. And, in fact, the times they didn't were the third downs where they were coming after Richardson, mm. and he hits that big throw to Reynolds on the fourth down. Um, when he missed Bowman down the sideline on the fourth down, that was the same thing. They had rotated over, had one single high safety. It was right Reed throwing it that way. He could have thrown it someplace else too, but um, – and it was the right read. They were exclusively two high safeties, and every single playbook you ever see talks about two high safeties, run them out of it. They didn't even try, or they didn't do it. They weren't capable of doing it. Right. And that, I think, is the bigger indictment out of anything, is that you know we can talk about Anthony Richardson not holding on to the ball. We can talk about the wide receivers not necessarily blocking all that well. We can talk about the drops. We can talk about all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're Florida and you have you know Osiris Torrance there on the offensive line who's supposed to be an NFL-caliber guy, run behind him, drive him backwards, Get four yards in a cloud of dust, and just don't get don't get knocked off the field. And they didn't. They came into this game thinking that they were going to be able to finesse their way past Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt said, "We're not going to let you finesse your way past us. You're going to have to earn it on the ground." And Florida never actually really tried to earn it on the ground. And that, to me, is the fundamental issue. So, look, should Richardson have kept a few more? Absolutely. Could he have popped a big play? Absolutely. But you know. ETN should have popped a big play. Mm -hmm. Montreal Johnson should have popped a big play. One of the wide receivers should have popped a big play. Like the, the the plays were there to be had if Florida had been a more physical team, but Florida got beat physically, and that's the thing that should bother them more than anything mm -hmm. is that the worst team in the SEC went out there and whipped you pretty physically, and you know that that's a problem, obviously. And then when you did get the big runs, you had penalties. <laughs> <laughs> if it could like go I wrong, said, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. It, it it was like it was like every time Florida made a play, 
<laughs> I mean, the one with the illegal formation, I'm sitting there and my son is looking at me and I go, oh no, it's an illegal formation before they even ran the ball. Like it, normally I miss those things because I'm looking at yeah. the safeties. I'm trying to figure it out. Like it was so obvious that he was off the line of scrimmage and, and it just looks weird. Right. When you look at a formation that doesn't have seven guys on the line of scrimmage, like that just looks odd. But in this one, I was like, I know it's that guy. And again, I mean, I watch a lot of football, so, you know, I'll pick up on those things pretty quick, I suppose. But still, Mm -hmm. it's it's like it's the most egregious, (laughs) it's the most egregious misalignment I've seen in a really long time, especially on a run play, because. You know, the whole point of that is to allow the defense to have the keys. I mean, I understand why they call it. I understand. I mean, it's the rule. You got to mm-hmm. know it. And it's, but again, first day install. And, you know, that's what this looked like. This looked like the team that showed up against Kentucky, except Anthony Richardson was throwing the ball a little bit more effectively. But it was yeah. a lot of first day install, a lot of mistakes that you would expect to sort of have to iron out after the Mullen era. A lot of the undisciplined stuff that we complained about towards the end of that era. And all of it popped up all at once in a game that, you know, I mean, heck, if this had popped up against Tennessee, you lose by four touchdowns. You go, well, they're just better than us. Yeah. Unfortunately, it popped up against a team that Florida should have beaten. But uh, obviously, Vanderbilt took advantage of it. Uh, well, so on this topic, uh, this is a transition as we end this episode here. So do – I mean, this is just projection uh, and guessing here. What do you think we see from Anthony Richardson on Friday night versus FSU? Do, do you expect him to have some more interaction on the ground? Do you expect some more design runs? Do you maybe expect some – Better decisions, more aggressive decisions, as I, as I was saying, maybe at, at, at points. And, hey, look, I mean, part of this, and one reason I'm bringing it up, well, this could be the last game we see him in a Gators uniform. Uh, if he goes on and declares for the NFL draft, uh, I guess maybe sometime next week or the, or the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll have that conversation later. I know there, that's a polarizing topic, if he should. That, that's different for right now. Um, but this could be. The last time we see him in a Gator uniform, if he declares, decides not to play in a bowl game, uh, and here we go. If it is, either way, (laughs) whether it is or not, what Anthony Richardson do we see on Friday night? I have no idea, and neither does anyone else. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I think that's really sort of the the take-home, and I think he'll be good. I think they'll put him out there and put him in situations to succeed. He's been better on the road all year long. Like I said, I think they were probably saving some stuff for Florida State and got caught um, in, in terms of that. I think obviously he will have heard the noise that he's, you know, that he's, you know, whether true or not, that he's sort of playing for the NFL and just sort of playing out the string, those sorts of things. He will have heard it. Um, he's obviously, you know, the guy who grew up in Gainesville, so the Florida State rivalry means something to him. And a lot of the guys that he's played against in high school and now in college are in that game. The 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 issue I don't think is going to be Florida's offense. I mean, overall, yeah. Florida's offense is the strength of this team, which is weird when we sit here and criticize the quarterback all the time. But it's the strength of the team. The problem is the Florida State has the seventh-ranked defense in the country. When you look at it from a yards-per-play perspective um, against FBS opponents, Florida's 107th. So this game is going to be decided by whether the Florida in the last two quarters of Texas A&M and the four quarters against South Carolina, whether that's the Florida defense or whether the Florida defense is more like what we've seen against Tennessee and Georgia and LSU, or even a hybrid of that, right, where it's maybe a little bit better than those teams we saw against LSU and Georgia, but but still still not a very good unit. I suspect it's probably more that way. Um, so to me, this one's decided by the Florida State offense against 
the Florida defense. And look, Jordan Travis having a really good year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Travis, 8.9 yards per attempt, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, QB rating of 161.2. Like he's probably, other than Hendon Hooker, the best quarterback Florida's played all year. And Hendon Hooker just absolutely lit up <laughs> the Gators. And so if you're asking me what I expect, I mean, you know, that's the danger. The danger is, is that Jordan Travis just comes out and absolutely lights up Florida's defense. And look, Anthony Richardson can play almost a perfect game, and they're still going to struggle. And and one of the things that Richardson, um, you know, he he was turning the ball over a lot early in the year that has started to subside. And so if he can avoid that, I think maybe Florida can keep the game close. But, you know, this is one where you're going to have to get special Anthony Richardson, like Mm -hmm. not just like, oh, he played okay. It's you're going to have to get this guy showed up, put Florida on his back and said, I'm not letting us lose this game. And the thing is, is like I had zero faith that that was going to happen with Emory Jones last year. It might happen for Richardson, but if you look at it, he's kind of been ping-ponging back and forth. You know, you you go all the way back to the Missouri game where he didn't play very well, and just every game after that, good game, bad game, good game, bad game, good game, bad game. So I would argue we're coming off of a good game against Vanderbilt. Unfortunately, that didn't turn into a win. And now, picking back to the to the bad game, it's gonna it's gonna be a problem. (laughs) To to combat that, it was first time we've uh, played back to back true road games though. So. There you go, man. I, I, saw, I saw somebody else today. I posted the road Anthony Richardson versus home Anthony yeah, Richardson. Yeah. He's definitely played better away from Gainesville, which is an interesting phenomenon. I mean, certainly he's got family and all that sort of stuff in town. Maybe it adds an extra layer of pressure to those sorts of games, and he's able to play a little bit looser on the road. Um, I, asked him about, I asked him about it last week on the, on the collective space. And he's, it, it, that's pretty much what it was. You know, you know, everybody's hollering against you, and it kind of – I wish we could find a way to – encapsulized that at home uh, where we may not have to worry about it anymore, but um, maybe one more time Friday night. Well, I mean, you know, look, I think, you know, I've got my own metric called yards above replacement that tries to measure a quarterback's both passing and rushing. And Jordan Travis is a better quarterback this year, but not by very much on that metric. But on QB rating, he's 161 versus 132 for Anthony Richardson. So a much, much better throwing quarterback than Richardson, which means that when you ask me, how is he going to have to differentiate? He's going to have to be on the ground. That's the only way he, he makes up that difference. Um, again, though, you look at what Florida State has done this year. They are 35th in the country, giving up 3.8 yards per rush. They're fifth giving up 5.8 yards per pass. Obviously, the pass, the passing game is not where Florida has been strong. So, you know, look, I mean, Florida's special teams is going to have to be a lot better. You can't muff punts. You can't miss extra points. You can't miss field goals. Um, you know, all the little mistakes that sort of popped up against A&M in South Carolina all got magnified against Vanderbilt, and now you're playing a pretty good team in Florida State. And I don't think Florida State is an outstanding team, but I think Florida State is a good team, and Florida, I don't think, other than Utah, has beat a good team this year yet. So mm-hmm. you know, if they're gonna, if they're gonna, if they're gonna reverse that trend, I think it's gonna require Richardson sort of hauling, you know, hauling the rest of the team on his back. And I don't, I, I think if Florida wins, this game definitely hits the over. That, that would be yes, uh, I think so too. Yeah, Florida State winners of four straight dominating games. Will uh, look, and I don't want to hear much, but it's in the ACC. Well, you know, when, when Florida just lost to Vanderbilt, I don't want to hear, oh, but it's in the ACC. Uh, FSU, they've dominated. Uh, they've done what is needed uh, and even more expected um, after, you know, there's three straight losses in the middle of the season. Uh, and now they blow out Georgia Tech, Miami, Louisiana. Um, those aren't great teams, but 
That is, you know, they handle business uh, against bad teams while Florida looked like they were on their way to that until this past weekend. So well, that's not to say Florida cannot win this game. Uh, it will probably take at least a good performance by Florida, maybe even more than that. Uh, but as you said, Will, especially FSU's offense, they can, they can test Florida with a good quarterback, running back, wide receiver at the different levels there uh, for FSU's offense and you know, uh, pass rush, pass rushers up front to, to make some big plays uh, there. But you know, Florida gonna have to get that ground game going. Anthony Richardson's gonna have to play a good game. Uh, I, I don't think this is uh, any kind of ugly win unless it's just kind of that that shootout style of fashion. And maybe you point to a bad defensive performance, but you come out on top anyway. Uh, you know, I, F- Florida's gonna have to play at least a pretty good game. Yeah, and on the bright side, they should be motivated. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where if they go out and lay an egg, I think I really start to have some concerns about Napier and the staff, considering that uh, you know, c- considering that they should have all the motivation they need after losing to Vanderbilt and hearing all the noise that's been in the system this past week. And that doesn't mean they're going to win the game, but they should at least go out and play well and you know put up a good showing and and avoid all the stupid mistakes that they made in this one. And uh, you know, we'll see if they can do that. I, I think it's. I don't have a lot of hope. I think Florida State's a pretty good team, and I don't think, like I said, Florida hasn't beaten a good team since the first game of the year. And um, you know, when Florida has played good teams, because I don't think LSU's a great team, when Florida has played good teams, they've just gotten boat raced, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I don't know why I would expect anything different in this one, and that's depressing. But again, I, I'll go back to what I said, which is that you look at where Norvell is in his development. This is actually one Norvell has to get, because if he loses this one, when Napier's in his first year rebuilding everything already ahead of him on the recruiting trail. And it's not by an insignificant amount. It's mm. like Florida's average player rankings, 92 and Florida States is 90. That's a huge difference in terms of overall talent, especially when you talk about top end talent that's coming in. Um, you know, I, I think Norvell has to get this one because of that. I think Napier could lose this one and still be able to build the program to where we want it to go. I think that ship's kind of sailed on Norvell if he loses this one. So this is one where I suspect Florida State's going to have quite a bit of quite a bit of stuff ready for Florida. They're going to be ready to go. It's been a long time since Florida State's actually had this game mean something for them because um, they've had so many down years under Taggart and under Norvell the first first two or three years there. Um, so they're going to be ready to play too. And look, it's an in-state rivalry. This is something where these guys know each other, and you know, really, I think controlling the emotion while maintaining the aggression is going to be the thing that 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 we need to look for and you know florida i'll say this florida played poorly in the second half against south carolina they got Mm -hmm. lucky with some turnovers and then they played poorly on the offensive side of the ball so really you know we talked about like six quarters of good defense coming out of that south carolina game but it's also now six quarters of really inconsistent play mistakes all that sort of stuff for this team as well so Mm -hmm. they're going to snap out of that they're just going to have to find a way. Like I don't know that they. How have many turnovers in will what, three versus South Carolina, two versus in, Vanderbilt, so five and how many points out of those? Seven. Yeah, it's seven points. There you go. And all and the the two against or the three against South Carolina were all in South Carolina territory. At least the you know the, the interception by Marshall and the fumble were in you know were in Florida territory. So you know they had to go the whole field in order to yeah. score. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't like it was just sitting there right on the goal line. And they screwed something up, but. Um, you know, what was I going to say? Oh, I was saying, I'm not sure this Florida team is capable of putting together four straight quarters that are actually good, but I think they're going to need to put together maybe two elite quarters or three good quarters to win this one. And then maybe be able to just like, you know, <laughs> leak an oil on the way home there in the fourth quarter, if they're able to get an early lead. 
Yep, so we'll see. It is Friday night. Do not forget, the game is not Saturday. <laughs> it is Friday night in this crazy, wacky ACC scheduling here. Um, I have been told, you know, Florida would never do that. Florida would never put this game <laughs> on Friday night or, or any other game, game, game for that matter if they, they have the choice there. Uh, but Friday night, so short week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving on Thursday. Get ready for Florida football on Friday night. At least that means... I guess according to how the game plays out, but you still either way get to, get to enjoy Saturday, uh, a slate of Saturday games. So um, the last full week of college football season, we don't have to worry about a Gator game on Saturday. So in in a way, I kind of like it because I haven't got to watch a whole lot. Florida has so many home games this year. Will I haven't really got to like sit home too many times and just watch college football? Uh, I did it this past weekend uh, there, so I get to do it this weekend too. But they get to do it enough. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love being in Gainesville, love tailgate and all that, but it wears on you. And I'm a college football fan at the same time, so I get to take advantage of a Saturday one more week. Well, plus your liver gets a chance to recover after road <laughs> games. So, so that's, that's always a good thing there, buddy. I only get down there once, one time a year, and it's it's enough for me But because uh, um, I'm getting old. But the the Friday night game, it's weird. Like, you know, the. It, I will say that the saving grace this weekend, other than the Hendon Hooker injury, was <laughs> that all of a sudden Tennessee couldn't stop Spencer Rattler. And, you know, it's funny. Every team that goes on a run has a game like that. And one of the things I couldn't avoid thinking while I was watching that game and while I was seeing Rattler go up and down the field was that that felt like one of those 2020 games where Florida felt like they were that close to a national championship and then just didn't have the unit and didn't have the horses on the defensive side to to be able to do it cuz Kyle Trask was off just a little bit and you look at the you look at the South Carolina offense just mowing down Tennessee's defense and we sort of came into the year going wow if they can like if that defense can take hold Heupel's offense with Hooker behind it it's going to be really really good and it's turned out to be that way almost all year long had the open shot at the playoff, right? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, crashed and burned. And uh, that was their you know, that was their 2020 LSU game. I'm telling you, it was the 2020 like if the fog had rolled in at the end, it would have been eerie. <laughs> but so sandstorm but now, in the fog. Well, but now it's really interesting because we always talk about recruiting and everybody looks at us and goes, I'm sure there have been plenty of people who've been like, but what about Heupel? It's his second year. Look at what he's building there. And I go back and I look at the recruiting numbers for Tennessee and I go, yeah, it looks a lot like a Dan Mullen sort of recruiting that's going on there at at, uh, at, at Tennessee. And so that's going to be the interesting thing for me is now that Hooker's leaving, mm-hmm. does the bottom drop out, right? Because Joe Milton ain't going to be it. And so is I am Oliva going to come in there as a true freshman and 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 get the reins and all of a sudden they're going to be a national championship contender? Maybe, right? I mean, Clemson, that's kind of the way they built the program, um, is just hitting on on high, high-level quarterbacks who were able to carry them when they weren't all that good in some of those years in some other areas. And then all of a sudden they they built a defense that was really that was really stout and was able to stop Alabama, or at least able to contain Alabama. Um, so I'm really interested to see what happens with them. But it, that was the saving grace. So again, back to this. You'll be able to watch Florida on Friday night. And then who's Georgia got? Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech. Oh god, that's not even worth watching. But <laughs> speaking of Clemson, Clemson, South Carolina. I mean, what? What does? How does South Carolina respond? Uh, there you go. All, all I'm, I'm just rooting for chaos. I want LSU to beat Georgia. 
because I mean, for two reasons. One is I think it'll point out the ridiculousness of the four-team playoff when you have Georgia losing in the SEC championship game and going to the playoff, and LSU getting frozen out. Like I think that'll just uh, to hear Brian Kelly whine about that will just be glorious, just glorious. Maybe he'll do it in a Southern accent and thank the people who keep in there. But I don't know. That'll be glorious. I'll enjoy every minute of it. I think LSU would sneak in. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you, you know, over an unbeaten TCU, an unbeaten Ohio State, a one-loss Georgia, and who else would be in there? USC. Probably a one-loss USC. Yeah. And a two-loss SEC championship. Yeah. Champion is going to what? Kick out the un the unbeaten I, TCU. Uh, who who gets left out? I I know it's 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 weird. I, I mean, it would. Man, that debate would be no. That's how I hope it plays out. Because I that debate of uh, USC. One loss, but Pac-12 champs and a two-loss LSU. Any chance? I, any chance? I heard him talking about SEC this morning. Any chance Georgia gets squeezed out? I hope so. They should have done it last year. Those <laughs> bastards. No, I like. So I don't Nick think so. I, but if any Georgia fans, are, I don't think so. Even if unless they somehow I don't care if just Georgia get fans are listening, out. leave those, leave them out. Like they don't deserve to make it. You choke in the SEC championship game two years in a row. The good news is, is that would allow Nick and I to continue our tradition in the uh, in the yes. preseason magazine that we publish of referring to Georgia as SEC runner up. Yeah, which has been has been uh, a source of endless amusement for me. Since uh, you know you can't say anything about what they how they finished at the end of the year, but uh, I, I suspect that LSU is going to get beat by about fifty, so it probably won't really matter. But uh, you know, hey, I look forward to Brian Kelly um, extolling the virtues of the loss to Florida State on that missed extra point, and uh, you know, then trolling LSU fans if they get left out by the kicker or by the guy on the sideline after the kicker misses the extra point, just look looking like he got shot, like for that Florida State game. Because let's be honest, they they had no business being that close in that Florida State game either. Um, Florida State turned the ball over like as their running back was jumping into the end zone yeah. to, to seal the game, and uh, then LSU goes right down the field and and uh, you know so anyway I I am uh, yes you'll get to watch all that stuff on yeah. Saturday it'll be good yeah excited for it excited for it so all right well man uh, anything else on the FSU preview uh, you and Nick have a new stand up and holler up on uh, YouTube as well so everybody go check that out if you haven't done so yet um, but yeah um, dang well just. Uh, it's our last Monday show of a game review and a and a look ahead. Well, I mean, we got a bowl game to look ahead to. After yeah, but, but, but I meant you know a game on Saturday would come here on Monday and then a, a game look ahead. It's uh, it, it, it goes fast, man. I it know, goes man. fast. I, I, it's been five years now since I've been doing yeah. this with you. It's yeah. uh, you know it it I was I was a young pup when we got started. <laughs> and now 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 I'm old and you know decrepit and limping around and all that sort of stuff. Though I have more children than I did when we started, so you know. It's, it's, uh, I have the same. That's why I look old. I have the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's because you enjoy money, and, uh, and I apparently do not. No, I love those guys. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade that little guy for the world. He's awesome. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to make sure I put that on record that way. If it, if he ever goes and listens to this when he's older, he. Uh, you don't you he don't want that. you don't want true coming on this episode and say, saying something about your kids now. Uh, maybe maybe he can clip that and put it on there. Put, Will Miles loves his children. Put it on Twitter. That'd be good. All right, good stuff. Good stuff. Of course, next Monday Will and I'll be hopefully talking about a Gator win over over Florida State. But um, I got to figure out how I'm going to do that. Will it's just a game is Friday night. Maybe an instant reaction because I don't really want to do an episode on Saturday morning. Uh, so you know, we'll see. 
We'll, yeah, we'll be competing because I've been doing instant reactions all year long. So you can listen to Dave's yeah. reaction and then you come over and listen to my reaction. And then you could be like, um, and then you can see whether it matches or not. Usually we're on, we're a pretty decent yeah. agreement, but, but usually we've also been texting each other our frustration right. during the game anyway. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That game seven thirty probably over with by 11. I mean, uh, a mid a midnight Gators breakdown. I mean, uh, come on, dude, if you were in Gainesville, you wouldn't be getting home till two in the morning anyway. You I know. I know. According to how much I have to drink, I guess. <laughs> so it depends on how the game goes. <laughs> what you telling us? <laughs> Not really. I'm either excited drinking or drinking sorrows away. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Opa, no matter what, man. Just uh, yeah. Well, I guess that is the benefit to do it on your couch, man. You don't have to don't have to worry about asking questions about recruiting after the game. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I thought about making the, the drive to Tallahassee, but family in town, visiting family, and it being a night game on a Friday, I don't really feel like staying in Tallahassee. So nobody wants to stay in Tallahassee. <laughs> I lived there for a year. I didn't want to stay in Tallahassee. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We'll leave it. Leave it right there. Will Stoltz on Tallahassee. I will. Uh, you preview eat out earlier this week because of the holiday or anything or yeah it'll probably it'll probably be up Wednesday morning okay. or Tuesday night um so tomorrow's my daughter's birthday so I'm taking the day off no, so happy, happy birthday. birthday Amelia and uh so she and I are hanging out that day but she goes to bed pretty early so I'll probably get some stuff up tomorrow night so uh you know hey her birthday is is responsible for giving me the free time to get up the preview so hey, we'll have that up tomorrow and I'm working on a bunch of different stuff that has to do with NIL so with early signing day coming up you can expect that to go up the next week or two as well um especially if Florida loses to Florida State um we'll have the recap article but then it'll be like all right let's switch gears we yes. gotta start talking about recruiting turn the page turn the page I um, hate recruiting but <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll deal with it we'll 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 turn the page all right, that is Will Miles. You can find him at readandreaction.com, on YouTube at readandreaction, and on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>